0: Today on the cast are you not entertained? Two overtime thrillers in the NFC and AFC championship games. Controversy all over the place. Second guessing. Goats and goats, the good and the bad kind. And now we've got Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. A rematch of Super Bowl 35 in New Orleans. Rams Patriots won. It's now time for volume two. All of that plus my excellent snowy visit to the Brew City. Your extra dose of me is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Monday, January 21st, 2019. Thank you for downloading and happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. You have the day off today. Enjoy it, reflect, and appreciate it. Wow, wow, wow. You are looking live, by the way, at my hotel room in the fabulous and historical Fister Hotel in downtown Milwaukee. Very cold, very snowy and i am going to be on a jet plane by the time you download this no doubt back to washington dc after a great weekend here in the bruce city more on that in just a second but man oh man and my voice by the way is not great right now the acoustics are not great you probably found out if you downloaded the football five ways friday podcast that i forgot my forgot my uh my road production elements on my laptop here, so the the Friday premium show is a little, a little dry, needed some extra sauce on it, so here I am today with a bit of a basic podcast and not as much production, won't be quite as long today, I know, I'll make it up to you tomorrow, but we're going to talk about these games today, and more importantly, I would like to talk about two big concepts as you come out of this weekend in the NFL, two big concepts that continue to fascinate me when it comes to sports fans and especially sports fans, especially sports media, and most of the sports media now are also fans. They don't pretend to be objective and journalistic. The two concepts that I would like to talk about are fairness and perfection. Fairness and perfection in sports. There seems to be, among some people at least, this fanatic desire to chase both concepts, fairness and perfection, to the ends of the sporting earth with a zeal and a fervor that absolutely is insane, if you think about it. Fairness and perfection do not exist. The world is not fair. Life is not fair, and sports, a reflection of that, also not fair. And perfection is a myth. There is no such thing. And yet that's what people are pursuing with such crazy abandon. There was some very unfair things that happened in these games on Sunday. And let's just start with a big one of them all, the no-call PI on Nickel, Roby, Coleman, I assure you, I will forget that name as soon as tomorrow, if not sooner, against Tommy Lee Lewis of the Saints. It led to a Saints field goal that proved to be not enough to win the game. In an alternate timeline of events in which people presume to know exactly what would happen next in an unpredictable game, pro football. They envision a very easy glide path to a very easy Saints victory. And therefore, they thunder on social media and on television about the injustice of it all. And to me, it's just its just funny. It's funny that some people, many people that I respect and like, just don't get it. And you may say, well, you're the one that doesn't get it, Zabe. If you were a Saints fan, you'd be the most pissed off guy in the world. I hope this happens to your Redskins someday. For example, okay, I mean, yeah, if you're a fan of the team, I'm sure you're pissed. But if you are a rational fan of your team and the Saints, you should also say, what the fuck was Sean Payton doing not running it on first down? and making sure that the Saints use both their timeouts right away and then running a good 40 seconds off the clock so they get the ball back with under a minute to go. You could make that argument. How about the fact that you might be a Saints fan who's rational saying, hey, that was a bullshit no-call, holy crap, one of the worst no-calls ever. But guess what? I don't want to see my coach, as overtime is beginning, still with a look on his face, That he is just so pissed off. Sean Payton had the sucking on sour lemons look as overtime was going on. And I'm watching it thinking, he's still pissed off about that call. And I know what you're saying right now. Well, wouldn't you be? My answer is, if I'm the head coach of the New Orleans Saints in overtime, with the ball first, chance to win the game, I better goddamn not be still mad about that call. I better be, as another coach likes to say, On to Cincinnati. And that's why the more I watch and the more I come to understand Belichick and how he is the way he is, the more my admiration grows as a coach. I'm just in awe. Bill Belichick would have never carried on like a bitch like this. Sean Payton is a bitch. He wants things his way. And, yeah, I want more replay next year. (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead, my pretties. Keep worshipping your false god. Yes, Smithers, add more replay. You know, Zabe, the CFL allows challenges of pass interference. Oh, good. Good. Do you watch a lot of CFL games? Do you bet on a lot of CFL games? How's it working out? Does it does it iron out all the wrinkles? Are their games perfect now? <laughs> By the way, if we do allow P.I. to be reviewed next year, question, are we still only only going to allow coaches two challenges? Question, will P.I. be reviewable by the upstairs booth the entire game or just in the final two minutes? Question, what about defensive holding? Is that going to be reviewable, which is kind of like P.I., it's pass interference's cousin, where you're in interfering with the receiver, just not while the ball is in the air, is that reviewable? Are you gonna lo- are you gonna look for pa- There's so many questions. It's just like, well, we'll figure all those things out. Okay, keep writing them rules, keep adding them layers, keep chasing perfection. It's so ridiculous. Let's just say, by the way, that pass interference was reviewable or challengeable. And let's say that, let's say it was challengeable, not automatically reviewable. And let's say that Sean Payton had a, let's say that Sean Payton didn't have a challenge flag. How about that? You might have a coach that challenges every single PI because why not? Well, that'd be silly, Zabe. We can't allow that. Okay, well then there's got to be a limit then to the number of PIs that you challenge. And therefore, we're, not, we're going to give you one more red flag throw per game, but that's it. Three is maximum, okay? You're going to come to a game some point in which a coach is out of red flags and a PI or a non-PI is going to happen and the coach is want, going to want to challenge it and he won't have a flag. And lives will change because the call was wrong, And the coach won't be able to do anything about it. And then they'll say, well, we need to give them more challenges. Or we need to make all pass interference calls reviewable. And once again, the goalposts, so to speak, will move. And they'll be nudged a little bit further down the road. Which is the case here with reviewing pass interference. If you're going to review pass interference, then you better allow everything to be reviewed. And there are actually some people like Ross Tucker, who I think is smart smarter than me, went to Princeton, who says, yes, make everything challengeable in the NFL. That's lunacy. Why are some people this way? It goes back to fairness. Fairness and perfection. We want these games as perfect as they can be. And we want them fair. It's unfair that the Saints are not going to be in the Super Bowl because of that call. So, a guy like Ross Tucker and those who think like him think, well, these are very, very, very important games. And therefore, we must get the calls right. And the best way to get them right is to let the coaches challenge everything to within a certain degree. Because it's not fair. You can't get... Fairness—you can't get perfection. These are impossible things, and yet some still chase them. Back to Belichick. Uh, I, Belichick had a game, and texters, emailers, help me out here. Belichick—it it was a—it was like a Sunday or a Monday night game on the road in Carolina against the Panthers and Cam Newton. I believe it was the Super Bowl year for Cam. Cam and the Panthers, and the game ended basically on one of some crazy-ass play with some obscure-ass penalty. And it was just mayhem at the end of the game. And I remember afterwards, as Belichick was peppered over and over about the call that had fucked the Patriots, and that was the general consensus, like, wow, they really got fucked on that call. The After peppering him... Over and over, Belichick was just unflappable. He he was like, uh, uh, "No, I didn't. I didn't see it. You know. Uh, the rules were all just. You know, they're going to talk about it Monday." And he just kind of mumbled his way through it. He truly was unfazed. Now, again, it was not a championship game call, but it was still a very big game. Belichick knows these are one plays. This is the this is the son of a coach who understands sports and understands that one play doesn't determine an entire game unless you have the mindset of a loser. The Saints still had plenty of chances to win the game even after that injustice. But they didn't get it done. But if this and if that, Some people are directing their scorn at the referees. I saw J.J. Watt tweet, This is crazy. There has to be some accountability. They have to be held accountable, meaning the referees. Uh, J.J., they are. NFL referees, and I don't know if J.J. knows this or not, have to fill out these elaborate post-game reports. And they are subject to doing their own reviews of the games that they just officiated. And they have supervisors. And the supervisors have supervisors that grade their games and go over their own post-game reports on what they could have done right or wrong. There are thousands of things that have to be done to smoothly officiate an NFL game. They are accountable. And guys have actually been fired this year for egregious bad calls. And maybe this referee, and I'm not sure whose exact responsibility that would be on that pass interference. I'm guessing the side judge. They're accountable already. It's almost like me when J.J. Watt misses a tackle or when a running back fumbles, screaming, There has to be some accountability. Yeah, there's accountability for the players. They have coaches. And they have a general manager. And they are accountable in that everyone saw. You fumbled. You fumbled when you shouldn't have fumbled. That was a mistake. It was a human mistake. Tom Jackson was particularly righteous in his cameo return to NFL primetime. Saying an official is paid to do his his job, and he didn't do it. Yes, Tom, TJ, he's human. He made a mistake, a bad one in retrospect, maybe not such a bad one in real time in which the play was bang, bang quick. Had a weird look to it, the play. Why did a DB just run flat into a wide receiver? Also making helmet-to-helmet contact. Could have been two different penalties. Why do they make that mistake? I'm sure the referees are going to go over it and have their explanation. But he's human. He made a mistake. Just like coaches make mistakes, players make mistakes, announcers make mistakes, hot dog vendors make mistakes. This is part of the human element. Tim Brano praised Tom Jackson on Twitter. Timmy B. Love you, Uncle Timmy but you're just off on this. Thank you, Tom Jackson, for saying what had to be said. This call changes history, changes legacy, and it's not right. No, it's not. The at NFL better do something to keep these kinds of misses from changing the course of history in the future. Kudos to Tom for bringing truth. I mean, Timmy, TJ, are you both not adults? You sound like children. Mistakes and bad calls happen, will happen, have happened, and can never be eliminated. Changes legacies. Oh, my God. It was one play in the game. They had many ways to still win the damn game, and I don't see in Tim Brando's tweet any suggestions. Of course, people are saying make it reviewable. Okay, color me as somebody who is not real confident that the NFL is going to get the well that the NFL and its fans will be satisfied with reviewable PI, given the fact that the Eagles this year recovered a fumbled a fumbled kick by the Cowboys on the opening kick. Recovered it with about five guys, clearly, and replay couldn't get it right. And numerous other, other instances in which you look at it and say, what the hell? The Edelman play on the near punt muff in Kansas City. Here you have replay allowed to review the play. Okay, so we're going to get it right, right? And we are staring at the play, and we are looking at it from several angles. And as I sit there and look at it, I'm like, oh, that, oop, it hit him. Look, it hit his thumb right there. I can see it. And then next thing I look, different replay. I'm like, ooh, wait a minute. This play was a true chimera. I think that's how you pronounce it. Or chimera? Chimera? I did look up. The definition before I used it on Twitter. Somebody said that's not really the word. Definition, by the way, of chimera. Definition. Hold on to sex. Yeah, chimera. Greek mythology, a fire breathing female monster with a lion's head. Well, that's not what I mean. But the other definition of chimera is a thing that is hoped or wished for, but in fact is illusory or impossible to achieve. Illusion, fantasy, delusion, dream, or fancy, or figment of the imagination. That Edelman play was a chimera. That was, you're looking at it, and you're going, wait, touched him, no, wait, oh, that angle, that looks different totally, hold on a second. Kind of like the girlfriend in Seinfeld who was two-faced, where she looked hot in certain light and then not so hot in other light. Yet people still insist, one way or the other. It definitely hit him. I know it hit him. You could see the ball deflected slightly. His finger deflected slightly. Others would go, I don't know, I didn't see it. Then people are falling back on the whole, hey, I thought if you didn't have clear and convincing evidence, then basically you had to stand with the call on the field. Well, maybe the referees looked at it and said yes. There's clear and convincing evidence to us that the ball didn't actually hit Edelman. It's a matter of what do you see? We are getting so good and so close with these replays on so many things. Feet, balls, legs, arms, who was down, bodies on the field, sideline, dust flying up, pellets flying up, paint flying up sequencing of where did the ball come out, was it loose, was it rolling, the replay on the Hogan catch, a ball that is in partial control, moving but still kind of controlled, making contact with the ground. What is it? These are all ink blots. This is a Rorschach test. You can look that one up as well, in which everyone sees what they want to see. You're not going to get it perfect. There is no perfect. It's a myth. It's it's a fool's errand. And yet we have so many fools that are desperate to want to go after this. So the fairness thing comes into play with this, with overtime. So the Patriots get the ball, of course. They win the coin flip in overtime. The new and improved overtime rules that were in, basically pushed for because once upon a time, Peyton Manning against the Chargers in overtime in a playoff game. Lost the coin flip, never touched the ball. Chargers went down, kicked a field goal, won the game. Bye-bye Peyton Manning. And doofus sports writer, coffee nerd, Peter King, wails and moans and bitches about, yeah, this is so unfair. So they go rip up the old overtime rules in football, which is coin flip, first one to score wins, and then we're going home. Period. End of story. To make it a convoluted, stupid, ridiculous thing. Well, they fixed it, so to speak. And for the most part, once they changed overtime, so you had to score a touchdown or both teams could touch the ball, I believe the consensus, at least from listening to people who call my radio show and listening to other media members, the consensus was, okay, good. That's fair. Well, now we've had a case in which Patrick Mahomes, possible league MVP, never got to touch the football. Unfair! This is what I call, the the people that wail about this stuff, I call them fairies. And I mean that in a derogatory way, but not in the way you might think. Fair as in, well, this is not fair. There are now people saying, We need to change overtime rules as well. We need to fix the overtime rules again. We need more P.I. reviewable. We need more overtime. I have seen some of the dumbest shit you could possibly imagine suggested by otherwise smart people about overtime. I I saw somebody suggest that they play a full 15 minutes and then go to sudden death if necessary. Are you fucking kidding me? In 20 degree weather or less in February in January? <gasps> Excuse me. These are games, people. These are games for our enjoyment, for our for our entertainment. And believe me, I am entertained like hell. It's amazing drama. The point of the rules are just to determine the outcome of the game. A coin flip is, is a random little thing. But if you don't want to be subject to a coin flip, well then, win the game in, regular, in regulation. Or play better defense. We're here to be entertained. No, no one's getting shot that loses a game. No team is going to be disbanded if they lose. Although I do think relegation in the NFL is a very strong idea that we need to really start to consider. Um, it's just for fun. That's not true. Millions of dollars ride on this. Yeah, but the millions lost by Team A, because they got boned, if you're the Saints, is then transferred to Team B. There is, it's like the universal heat law. Wait, I'm out of my element on this one. I, I, I was pre- feeling pretty good with Chimera. I was feeling pretty good with, uh, what was that other fancy thing I threw in here? Uh, Universal heat law. Let's see. Laws of thermodynamics. First law of thermodynamics. When energy passes as work, as heat, or with matter, into or out of a system, the system's internal energy changes in accord with the law of conservation of energy. Okay, I think I'm in the right on this one. I think I've got the right idea here. You say, well, millions of dollars ride on this. Gamblers and franchise, fortunes. Well, yeah, they do, but the Rams were the beneficiary. They got a bad call go their way. Oh, No team has gone bankrupt because a bad call cost some franchise a bunch of money for a playoff game they were going to go to. And now, well, we we had to disband the Minnesota Vikings. They lost a game on a bad call. So sorry. Uh, We're now playing with 31 teams. It's never happened. Legacies are changed. Oh, for God's sake, get over it. If the NFL were to use truly incompetent referees who got lots and lots of things wrong, then I could say, yes, this is unacceptable. This is crazy. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. I'm being told in my ear. What was that? Oh, they, they did do that. Oh, they did allow... Really? Replacement referees? Wow. Well, that must have just been for a single preseason game. Oh, no. Oh, no. For several regular season games? Wow. Okay. See, we've been there before. We've used literal high school refs in the NFL for games that counted. And the world kept spinning. And we handed out the Lombardi Trophy that year at the end of the season. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Fairness and perfection. Why do people, why are people so obsessed with it? I can't believe you, Zabe. You are really letting me down today. You don't want to make the officiating better? We've got the tools. We've got the technology. No, I don't really want to make it that much better. It's already really good. Man, these NFL refs, they get so much stuff right all the time. So many times you see a catch on the sideline, you're like, that's not a catch, he was out of bounds. They show, show it on super slow-mo and you're like, holy shit, he really did. He got both feet down and inbounds. That happens all the time. Officiating is probably correct 96.4% of the time. Replay probably bumps it up to the 98.1% of the time. Maybe closes the gap halfway. That 2% is not worth the stoppages, not worth the teeth gnashing, and not worth invoking the wails and the calls and the sobbing of the fairies out there who say, this is not fair. We need to fix this. Ugh, already. Just a game. It's fun. I, I feel bad for the Rams and Sean McVeigh. They have had a bit of their glory stolen by this call. And I know you can say, well, they wouldn't be there if they didn't, you know, if the call was right. Probably. They still won the damn game. They won the game. You think that's the only bad call that didn't get called? Some were pointing out there was a Jared Goff face mask. Maybe. Kind of grazed it. That could have set him up for a touchdown instead of settling for, for a field goal. They kicked a field goal to tie the game when they were possibly going down to take the lead. Point is you can Go to all these things all the time. Here's your stat of the day. I don't have the music. Forty-three of forty-four starters on the Patriots team have retired since Super Bowl thirty-six in New Orleans. There's only one starter who is still active on both those teams. Actually, forty-three of the forty-four starters have retired. Since the Rams and Patriots met in Super Bowl 35, the only starter who's still active, that would be the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. And let's take a moment to talk about that. Holy shit, Tom Brady. Are you kidding me? I will not hate on Tom Brady. I might mock him for his avocado ice cream. I might question whether or not we might find out someday that he was on some undetectable amazing human growth hormone steroid body enhancer that was not detectable to be able to play this well this deep into his you know career but man oh man he is the clutchest son of a bitch ever and yes d ford you fucking dum-dum how can you how hard is it to line up on sides It just shouldn't be that. Like, the first thing you do, as soon as you put your hand down on the ground, you look, you make sure, am I on sides? Okay, I'm good. I know. It's a mistake. See, if I'm J.J. Watt, I would angrily tweet to D Ford, there has to be some accountability. Darren Ravel said the NFL that Roger Goodell needs to get up from his box at Arrowhead after the Rams game and issue a statement in front of a podium saying this is not acceptable, this mistake that happened in the Rams game. Oh, Darren, what has happened to you, man? You're smarter than this. But back to Brady. So he gets bailed out by D. Ford, one of the all-time blunders, on what would have been a crushing, maybe career-ending interception. Brady has had so many good breaks over the years. True, not going to deny it. But you know what? <laughs> he has benef- he has also he's benefited from those breaks. Whether it's uh, David Tyree and the helmet catch, Edelman's amazing juggling catch in the comeback against the Falcons. Now you got this play here and countless others. I'm sure Brady haters have them all on a index card that's laminated. But um, he's the greatest. He is ridiculously the greatest. He was throwing seeds out there under pressure when the game was on the line time after time after time. Three straight drives for touchdowns to win the fucking game. He said during the week, apparently, according to reporters, he came into the Patriots facility and screamed, I am the baddest motherfucker on the planet. And you roll your eyes and you groan. But son of a bitch, if he didn't prove it out there on Sunday. Brady today, Brady tomorrow, Brady forever. The goat of goats, the greatest of all time, the clutchest motherfucker ever. He is in the pantheon, the Mount Rushmore of athletes, alongside Michael Jeffrey Jordan and probably Muhammad Ali. I don't want to do the Mount Rushmore right right now, but Tom Brady, what can you say? Let me quickly go through some stuff before I put a wrap on it and get on an airplane and head back home, and I thank you for putting up with the less-than-great audio and the less-than-full production. We're back to full output Tuesday here on the Zabecast. Here's a tweet. NFL needs to go to the college overtime. Yeah. Nah. Not really. College overtime is wildly entertaining. It fucks up point spreads and totals left and right. But I don't think it's... Anything great. I think it's fake football, and often college overtime goes forever and forever. Tony Romo was great, everyone said. Kept predicting exactly what the Patriots would do. I would agree. I would agree. A couple knocks on Romo. One is a little bit too much gushing. I know he's excited, like, oh, boy, Jim. Ooh, this is great. I would just cut that down by about 50%. Otherwise, yeah, Romo is really good. He knows... What's been going on? Mike Francesa has been great as of late, and by great, I mean horrible. He had both losers on Sunday, and yes, I was one and one. My lock was the Chiefs. Didn't come home. Thanks, D. Ford. Had a good feeling about the Rams. I don't know why. I didn't deserve to win that game, but you know what they say, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. So I forget what my, I guess my playoff record, we were 6-2, so 1-1, 7-3. 7-3 against the spread. Um, Mike Francesa went 2-8 in the playoffs against the spread. He also tweeted in December, this has not been a December to remember for the Pats, probably won't be a special January either. Oh, wow. No, not good. Not good right there. Hey, Baldo, didn't you bet against the Pats? I did. Somebody said, are you going to keep betting against them in the Super Bowl? And I said, yeah, probably. I'm just just—I'm too committed at this point. I'm like Tin Cup McAvoy in the movie. I'm standing on 18 trying to clear the pond in two, and I'm running out of golf balls. Romeo, give me another bet. What's that? I'm almost out of money? No, just give me another bet. I'm good. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, statement. (laughs) Mike Florio reporting late Sunday night. NFL decides against issuing statement admitting error in Rams Saints, at least for now. Per a league source, the NFL has decided to refrain from issuing a statement admitting that Bill Vinovich's crew failed to call pass interference against the Rams. Apparently, the powers that be are haggling over the language of the statement that would admit the mistake. The haggling will continue into Monday at a minimum. Given that Monday is a holiday for most, maybe it goes into Tuesday. Who knows? Ah, uh, God, a statement. What, what is a statement going to do? Yeah, Sean Payton and the Saints can frame it. Say, hey, we didn't go to the Super Bowl this year, but hey, here we go. We've got a framed copy of We Were Wrong. Yay couple good photoshops coming out of the Saints-Rams game. One is of Hulk Hogan body-slamming Tommy Lee Lewis with a Hogan, with a whatever his power move is. Pretty funny. Hulk himself retweeted it. No flag, brother. No flag on this one, brother. The other good photoshop, which I thought was fantastic, was Todd Gurley changing jerseys or trading jerseys with Bill Vinovich. Him getting the Vinovich stripes (laughs) and Vinovich getting Gurley's number 30. Gurley stinked in the game. Stunk, He stinked in the game. Time for me to go to bed and get on a plane. Gurley stunk in the game. Asked afterwards if he was hurt. He just said, no, I was just bad. There's a viral video, I don't know how authentic it is, of a small coffee shop in L.A., presumably, with about four fans watching the end of the Saints Rams, uh, the, excuse me, the Saints-Rams game, and then as the incredible bomb by Zerline, was there ever a doubt, At 57 yards, poof, into the net, as that bomb goes through, a barely, not even packed, but just like a five or six people in a tiny coffee shop react with a yay sort of a reaction. Again, it's a great video. It might even be true, but I would assume nothing in the Internet age. That could have been staged on a DVR, on a sound set in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for all we know. You cannot believe the Internet these days. Mike Tirico tweeted something that was a, at least a good explanation that I was wondering about. For those asking about the whistles from the crowd on the Saints-Rams game, the Saints have a superfan nicknamed Whistleman. No joke, I've met him many times, great guy. He wears a whistle costume to games, but not an actual whistle. He has the loudest, most piercing, natural whistle I have ever heard. That's great. That motherfucker needs to be relocated forcibly. Even if it takes the family of Steve Irwin, may he rest in peace, like in uh, the Crocodile Hunter, taping that guy up, tying him up, and then dragging him all the way into the basement of the Superdome? No, because I'm watching the game going, fuck, was there a whistle? Was that offsides? What's going on? No, I guess not. These NFL sound people, this is now the second game that's been seriously affected, negatively inf- affected by bad audio. Remember the Ravens game with the screeching woman? The screeching hoot owl that wouldn't shut up during the games whistle guy boo some people saying that the NFL had their finger on the scale that they wanted the rams and their glamour boy coach and their major media market in LA in the super bowl yeah no they don't they don't give a shit about that they really don't there is no the saints would have been probably the better Product for the NFL, a more recognizable product. Remember, this is a TV show about quarterbacks, and therefore, the better quarterback is breeze historically speaking. Although golf played his ass off, and so that doesn't matter. And then when it comes to the you know Patriots against uh, the Chiefs, there are people, including my friend Brian Tui from the Fixes In, and we've talked to him before on this podcast tweeting out stuff like this is what the NFL wants. To channel my inner Randy Jackson, nah, dog. I ain't feeling it. I'm just not feeling it, dog. Why would the NFL want to trade out Patrick Mahomes for a team that everyone in America except for Boston is sick of seeing the Patriots and a team that nobody likes? The better product for the NFL would have been Mahomes in my Humble opinion. The better product would have been a rematch of the Saints and the Rams, the most thrilling, high-scoring, fantastic game of the year, this time now with two weeks to rest and recover and prepare in perfect dome conditions. That's what they would have wanted. It would have been the first 70 to 70-70 Super Bowl ever. They didn't get it. They got the Patriots. Again, Marcus Peters did what Marcus Peters does. As soon as the game was over, made a beeline for Sean Payton to start talking shit. It caused a major scrum. Well, (laughs) Marcus Peters is going to Marcus Peters. What can you do? Another Rams player did the chop, chop, chop a style after the uh, big pick in that overtime. (laughs) Jay Cottrell was quick to say thank you, Rams, for now allowing me to never hear that awful song, chop, chop, chop a style again. I just responded hashtag hater. couple of quick thoughts on my trip up here to Milwaukee. Thank you very much to Bruce Peterson of Eagle Mania. We had a great show on Saturday night. They had a great show. We. Listen to me. I'm a we guy now. They had a great show at the fabulous Pabst Theater in downtown Milwaukee on Saturday night. Weather was bad. Some lake effect snow. They had gotten about six to eight inches on Friday night. But still, very enthusiastic crowd, great sounding band, and it was a great show, and I was honored and humbled to be invited to just get on stage for a little bit to introduce the band and say a few words. And yeah, I did okay. Luckily, the uh, the spotlight is so bright, you literally cannot see anything. No crowd. You can't see them out there at all, which is great. There was some chants of Bob and Brian, Bob and Brian from about five or ten people maybe at most. And I'm like, how much did you guys get paid to be here? How much did they pay you? Because I would have paid you more. Okay, you're you're loyal to the guys. Well done. You did it. Some of the people that were there said, yeah, th- those people left after like ten minutes. <laughs> it was a great great band to watch. It was a tribute band, though. And some people just aren't down with watching tribute bands. Because they are knockoffs. They're not the real product. But here's the difference, and I was talking to Bruce about this. Bruce wanted to give for his wife, his beautiful wife, Mary, who's part of their production, part of their uh, management company, promotions company, I should say, Brumar Productions, she wanted to give Mary this great 50th birthday present, and that was to go see the Eagles live, her favorite band. Well, then Glenn Frey died. I made the mistake of not of turning down a chance to go see the Eagles Eagles in Vegas when they were all together and all alive. It was going to be about 300 bucks, and that's the thing. Eagles tickets, big-name acts, you're talking 250 bucks maybe for a ticket and not necessarily front-row center. That would be even more. Well, the ticket for Eagle Mania was $37.50 and first come, first serve for the best seats in the house. And really, every seat at the Pabst is a fantastic seat. You just, you're just you very close. You're you're not far away at all. I think capacity of the theater is about $1,300. they have got two balconies that go straight up top, but even if you're up on one of the top ones, you're still getting a great view from straight on down. So what you trade off with, a tribute band in a venue like this is you're getting a lot closer to the band, so the experience is great, and you're paying a whole lot less money. But if you want to see the real thing, then obviously you're going to pay up, and you're going to be in a stadium probably, and you might be very, very far away. The acoustics might not be nearly as good. In fact, I'm sure the acoustics in a stadium would not be nearly as good. But you can say, I saw the real band. I would say do both if you are a fan of a certain band, if there is a good tribute band out there, and there really are, I mean, this particular Eagle band, I'm listening to the songs going, they are nailing this song to within an inch, if not less of the real song. It was, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. The Fister Hotel where I stayed was amazing, except for a couple of things. First of all, it's supposedly Haunted. Amazing old hotel, 120-some-odd years old. It's been refurbished, updated, etc. There's like a 20-minute video on the history of the Fister Hotel in downtown Milwaukee that runs on the TV in the room here. And apparently when Elvis came to stay here, presidents have stayed here, guys like Elvis, rock stars, apparently all the NBA teams stay at the Fister when they come to town. Baseball teams used to come to stay at the Pfister until apparently – uh, some of the teams started to balk because many of the uh, uh, Latin players didn't like the fact that the Pfister is allegedly haunted. And there are stories you can Google about the haunted Pfister Hotel. And so they, being perhaps a bit more superstitious, said, no, we don't want to stay here. It's an incredible, incredible hotel. Just looking around at the history and where it came and, and watching the, the documentary. Apparently when Elvis came here to stay in the 50s, The general manager, a woman at the time, which was kind of groundbreaking, said that Elvis flew in special bacon that had to be cooking at all hours of the day. How great is that? Uh, Hey, 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 where's my bacon? So anyway, I loved it. It was great, wonderful, incredible, unique. Cold, though. I, I don't mean to complain, but, and maybe... Maybe my thermostat was broken, but I just kept cranking it up to like 80. (laughs) I don't think it ever got above 65 in my room. I was wearing sweats and under the covers a lot. I know, I'm bitching. Also, here's one thing about nice hotels, like really nice hotels. The nicer the hotel, the greater the chance there is that their gift shop or their snack shop will not be open when you want it to be. And that, to me is one of the great ironies of these so-called luxury hotels. A true luxury would be to have a fully stacked, fully stacked, a fully stocked gift shop, or a fully stocked snack shop, a mini 7-Eleven of sorts, open at all times of the night. That's how it is in Vegas, but then again, Vegas never sleeps. I couldn't go walk to a convenience store. There's nothing close to where I was, and it's five degrees. And I went to the gift shop, and it's like, no, there's nothing there. And then I then I get, get word that, oh, if you look under this cabinet, you've got an honor bar, and there should be some snacks in there. Well, yeah, there are some snacks in there. There are some cashews I opened, which probably cost $5, that weren't salted. They didn't say unsalted, and so when I opened them, and I'm like, ah, damn it, uns- unsalted cashews. Boo, I don't want them. Can I get a refund on this? There was water in the fridge, but there was no Diet Coke. It's a Pepsi place anyway. A true luxury hotel, one great luxury would be a mini 7-Eleven right there in the lobby. Open at all hours. Because no matter if you say, well, there's some chips and nuts and something to snack on in your room, they, you can't have it as big as a fully stocked mini convenience store. I know, I'm bitching. Sorry. It's great. It was great to be here. Totally happy. A little bit chilly, but that's okay. You know the Fister, by the way, was the first hotel to have individual thermostats in the room back in the day that this was like an incredible invention in like the 1920s. Maybe I still have one of those. Oh, the other thing about luxury hotels, the more luxury hotel you seem to be in or vintage hotel, the greater the chance that there will be inconvenient plugs for your electronics. There, uh, and this is the case here. Got to crawl under here, pull this thing out. It should be a law that every hotel has one of those lamps that has a plug in the base of the lamp, a plug for your laptop and couple plugs for your devices, couple USB plugs. And it's a lamp. And so if they update, you know, we're now on to some other thing than USB yeah, throw the lamp out or sell it to another country and boom away you go. All right that'll do it for me today. I got to go to bed I gotta wake up I got to get on a flight and I'll be home in DC tomorrow and then we'll start dealing with all the Redskin stuff and everything else. Oh and it was great to go to Madison to see the Badgers stun number two Michigan winner Zabe in attendance. Great to go on uh, to Marquette on Sunday morning watch Marquette surge past providence on dwayne wade day that's two wins for me in one weekend i am now according to everyone up here 7-0 lifetime in person watching games in wisconsin 4-0 watching the packers win at lambeau twice against my redskins oh by the way 2-0 now with the basketball teams here i believe went to a bucks game i saw a winner there so let's hope the winning streak continues on that front That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up for the less-than-premium quality of today's show. Hope you enjoyed the games. Remember that. Fairness and perfection don't exist, so stop being a sucker and just sit back and let's enjoy the games, and let's not try to write a bunch of new rules or say let's review everything under the sun. Podcasts are the future. Email me with your topics and suggestions at zavidyahoo.com. Now get on out of here, and we will see you next time.